Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. As always, we're brought to you by Amazon.com. If you go to our website, gtfopodcast.com, on the main page on the top left, there's a little Amazon banner. If you click on that, it'll send you to Amazon.com. And there you can do your shopping as you usually do. And Amazon gives us a little something for every dollar you spend. Now, it comes out of their end. So you're not spending anything extra. You're just supporting the podcast by doing so. And we really appreciate it. It's a, it's a way for us to keep the podcast going. And um, we really appreciate it. And thank you in advance for helping us out that way. We're also brought to you by Geek Street Comics. You can find them at geekstreet101.com where you can sign up for the mystery mail call, $24.98, and it gives you a trade paperback, four to five comics, all of it collectible. It's just a, a really cool service. And um, tell them Rico sent you. Uh, you can find them also on eBay under Geek Street 101. And um, you can also buy comic books and um any sort of uh, geeky material, games and whatnot, and comic books, like I said. And um, just tell them Rico sent you, like I said, and um, you'll love it. This week on the podcast, we have Kayla Utana. She is a chef from the UK, and uh, she has a new book out, which you can buy by going through Amazon. (laughs) What do you know? Just go over there, do a search for The Adventures Palette, and... um, it's uh, family recipes from around the world. And uh, they have awesome, awesome recipes that um, you absolutely love. She's, uh, she's an awesome chef and a great person. And, you know, we just had a really awesome conversation that I think you guys will enjoy. Um, she's super cool, very sweet person. Please, please go support her. Go get that book and uh, show her some love, huh? And without further ado... Here's episode 46 of the GTFO podcast with guest Kayla Utana. Got your happy ending. Feel the excitement build. Showdown in a ghost town. Are you, are you no, I'm an Nice. What part of England are you in? I'm um, I live in the south, kind of like next to the next to the ocean bit, mm. near Portsmouth. I don't know if you know your English geography, but I don't at all. I do love it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh, places. I I love Scotland and um, all of that. Um, it's just such a great place. And although I haven't spent that much time in England itself. Um, but I do love it up there. How long yeah. have you been in, in England? Ooh, good question. Almost two years. Oh. Almost two years. Not quite two years. Maybe like a year and a half ish. Nice. So yeah. I wanted I, I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. I know your background a little bit, but um, for for our uh, fans and whatnot, I wanted I want them to know. I've always found this interesting. Um, the way you took this, and I know that you went to Ireland. How old were you when you decided to go to Ireland? Uh, well, when I decided to go, I was 20, but when I actually went, I was 21. Um, and I just kind of up and went. I was working as a chef in California and was like, you know, I'm bored of this. There's got to be more. 
than this because obviously California is so expensive. I couldn't afford to move out of my dad's house and I was working crazy hours and it's it was wonderful. But at the same time, I was like, come on, something's got to give it. So I saved up a bunch of money and um, one day I just went home and without thinking, bought a plane ticket for me and my mom. I was like, hey, mom, we're going to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> By I, the way. Yeah, it, I find not a lot of people do that. And I always thought that was, that takes some, some, some guts to believe in yourself enough to just go out there. I'm going to make something happen. You have. And um, exactly. that is, that's impressive to me. I always, um, always wanted to do a similar thing. I almost did that in the nineties. I was going to go to Europe and just spend months yeah. there and just visit and see, but you actually have this background and, um, as a chef and was that something that they that you always had or there's something you fell into or how did you uh, become a, a pick uh, how did you fall into this career well it was kind of interesting because my senior year of high school i lived in utah with my mom right. as opposed to california and um when it came time for me to pick a college to go to i was kind of searching around I, I didn't know what i wanted to do like i i was the kind of person that always like flip-flopped back and forth between like 10 different things like I, I had no idea to be honest and um honestly being a chef wasn't really on my radar until i was actually looking at colleges and i had looked at a few and the first one that i was thinking of going into was for cultural anthropology which right. is completely different from right, right. Being a chef, and then I looked at the place that I ended up going, but I was looking at two different uh, majors. One was photography, and the other one was baking and pastry. And basically, what happened is I went to the interview for the college, and um, the lady was talking to me, and she got me talking about food. I believe the conversation was centered around cupcakes, and so we were talking about cupcakes. And my mom was there, and you know my mom. It right. takes a lot for her to be quiet. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and she was silent really? the entire time. And as soon as we left, she's like, Kayla, you have to be a chef. Uh. You have to. I was like, why? She's like, you, everything about you just lit up talking about food. She's like, you have to. I'm sorry. Mm. And it was funny. I think she knew like my entire life that I was going to end up becoming a chef because my inheritance from her was her grandmother's cookbooks. Oh. That was decided like when I was a baby. And so, I mean, it was only fitting as well since she kind of pushed me into becoming a chef that she went with me on my first trip to Ireland. And then we decided, you know what, I'm going to live here. And I ended up just packing a bag and going with no plans and nowhere to stay. And then I ended up making this career for myself and it's been pretty amazing. And it's all thanks to her and her strange lack of conversation during that one meeting. <laughs> it kind of pushed you. It's weird. Yeah. That, that, that lack quiet, of you know, yeah. something's going on. Right. Uh, <laughs> I find it's um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I, uh, I, I worked as a, uh, short order cook um, in Montana and um, really hard work and yeah. it's, it's, it's not for everybody but no. I loved no. it I loved it I um, I used to work from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and so we I, I did all this breakfast stuff and I I would be in the zone and it was just so satisfying and mm -hmm. by by two o'clock I was so exhausted I would start like I said at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning 
And by two, I mean, I blinked and I was done with work and I was mm. exhausted and I was always happy. Um, yeah. When I, I walked out of there, I'm like, I, I just accomplished something. And I'm currently, I work at a deli now and all I do is I make fried chicken and, and all this stuff, which is not the same it's not, not quite yeah but it's still food i mean you still get to cook right. and and it's just the the process of that making is very mm -hmm. satisfying to me and, I, and i'm the the one that cooks at home and i always it was something that i can see myself doing I, I could totally see me working at a, at a restaurant and um again that's where i want to talk to you because you're doing something i i would have loved <laughs> to have done um i you know my path took me elsewhere but um like what was that first job when you're out of the country um i know you were you you worked i remember i think last time i saw you here in the states you were working across from stanford right in, in california yeah, I, did. I did i i did some cooking in california i did some cooking in utah i had a good solid few years of experience in the states before i went over to europe um, but my first job in Ireland, I actually, I spent a couple weeks just wandering around Ireland because obviously I had zero plans. It honestly could have gone really badly. <laughs> it didn't. It really could have failed. But um, I ended up in Galway, which is on the west coast of Ireland, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I found a job at the Radisson Hotel. Um, it was my first hotel and I got the job in a couple of days. Luckily for me, like I have the benefit of being in a career that's in demand everywhere in the world. And the fact that I have enough experience for people to be like, okay, she's at least somewhat competent. She, if we tell her to do something, she'll at least kind of know how to do it. Like right. that, that's hard to come across anywhere you go. And so for me, I didn't really have that worry about, am I going to be able to find a job? So I found a job at this hotel and it was a very interesting experience because kitchens in different countries function so differently it's like night and day right. even the way that they speak about things like oh my gosh so you're, you're learning another language <laughs> pretty much yeah in, in, in what you do is completely different um like for example my first day at that hotel in ireland um the head chef was irish he was from um where was he from he was from county clare and so he had a very Irish accent, like proper Irish accent. And then uh, half of the cooks were Polish. And then one of them was English. And then um, the head chef's wife was American, actually, which is great. She also worked there. But they have like this meeting, this briefing before everyone starts like their prep and their shift. It's kind of like a rundown of the day. Okay, what do we need to get done? What's priorities? Who's responsible for what kind of thing? And so I'm standing there in the circle and all of them are talking to each other. And I'm just standing there like, what are they saying? I had no idea. I felt like I was in a tornado of accents. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And then he turns to me and he asked me to go get a courgette. And I'm sitting there like a deer in the headlights. Like, what are you asking me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> I was just sitting there like a complete lemon. Oh, <laughs> my word. And then his wife comes up behind me and he's like, he means zucchini. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. And, and it starts. This starts your schooling. Yeah. So, I'm like, well, everything I learned up until this point can just go out the door. Right. <laughs> starting fresh. That's great. I have I yeah. have the hardest time. It's weird because I myself have an accent. 
And I have, um, I met a friend of my wife's and she's from Scotland. And I remember uh, this, uh, she had she had come to uh, California and she was staying with, with my wife. And she's like, oh, here's, I think her name is Jane. It's like, here's Jane, uh, talk to her. And for the next five minutes, this lady was talking to me. <laughs> Yeah, to this day, I have no idea what she said. She had, and she hands me the phone, and my wife is like, You didn't understand anything she said, did you? You're like, No. Yeah, because she's like, Yeah, he's not saying anything. I'm like, I, yeah, I have no idea what she said. So I can, I can imagine, in it's not the most relaxed uh, no. work when you're no. cooking, you gotta go. So you, you're talking to yeah. these people, you might not know what they just said. Uh, and it's even worse when they don't understand what I've just said either. Uh, so like they're telling me something and I'm responding and neither of us can understand each other. Or like even in moments where it's not intense, where we're just prepping, you know, like having a bit of banter and stuff, I'll say something not realizing that it's like extremely American. And I'll either get like weird looks of pure confusion or everyone bursting into laughter. One of the two. There is no in between. And then get teased about what I've said for the next week. Uh, like, I think probably the most common one would be tomato. Really? Tomato. 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 <laughs> everyone walks around and like whenever at that restaurant, the hotel that I worked at in Ireland, there was this one particular sous chef. Every time he would walk past me, he would go, tomato. Oh. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I. That's great. And you, how how long were you at that particular job? Did you did you stay there? Did did somebody take you under the wing to kind of teach you, or they just kind of let you? Yeah, luckily for me, the head chef, uh, like I said, although he's Irish, his wife was from Buffalo, New York, and so oh they. Kind of, you do know that I'm from Buffalo, New York, right? Are you serious? That's right. <laughs> I spend half of my life in Buffalo, New York. Wow. wow. That is so yeah, weird. that's where she was from. And so know. she kind of helped me out a little bit. I was there for about six months. And I was like, you know, I came to Ireland to get as much experience, various yeah. kinds of experience as sure. I possibly could. And so I, from there, I jumped around to a few more places just to kind of get the diversity. I went from a hotel to like a family pub to a very modern restaurant to like a, a classic like pastry kind of thing. And then... Yeah, it was just a wild experience. What's your uh, your favorite thing to do cooking wise? What is your is that pastries, baking? Yeah, there... well, my background is in pastry. Um, the education that I got was predominantly pastry, but it also involved savory cooking as well as like management and finance and business. So it was a pretty well rounded career, but kind of like the focus for me was pastry. But then I got one job out of culinary school that was just pastry. And I was there for a little over a year. And then I went into savory for several years. And um, I've done pastry like here and there in between, but only recently have I really gotten back into pastry only in the ne the past couple of years. And so as far as savory cooking goes, I would probably say seafood is my favorite because I've worked with a lot of fish and I think it's an incredibly diverse thing. You can do so much with it. Right. But if I had to choose between anything, it would definitely be like pastry, confections, cakes, the whole realm of dessert. And my thinking behind that is, you know, a lot of people eat food. Everybody eats food because they have to basically, you need to eat food to survive. And Lucky people get to eat food because it tastes nice. But the only reason for 
anybody to eat pastries and desserts is because it makes them happy. That right. is literally the only reason. It has no other purpose. And so that's um, kind of, I get to spend my day making cake. Who would complain about that? I got to tell you, I uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, uh, bakeries are a gigantic part of our uh, customs and everywhere you go. So it was when I came to the States, I mean, there are bakeries here, but in Puerto Rico is to another level. There's every yes. other block has a bakery and there's exactly. nothing better than walking into a bakery and that smell. There's just, mm-hmm. there's just nothing like it. Uh, bread and all kinds bread of... Uh, pastries. Oh, it's so amazing. It's like, I really love that culture where you don't go to the grocery store to buy bread. You go to a bakery to buy bread. You go to a butcher to buy your meat. You go to a farmer to buy your groceries. And it's just kind of that whole community collective effort in making a nice meal. It's Something about that is just really special to me. Right. So, Man, yeah. I, I love that. It. It's one of those things, uh, one of the things that uh, this new job that I have, I actually wanted to get into the uh, bakery and I've never, I worked a little bit. Uh, I had a friend that owned a bakery in Puerto Rico. So I used to go and help nothing under the books. I never got paid. It was just what well, you did with family. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I loved it. And uh, one of my uh, favorite memories of uh, growing up, my brother-in-law was a uh, baker uh, as a side job. So we used to have to, I stay with my sister over the summer, and so in the middle of the night, we used to have to take him to work at three o'clock, three four o'clock in the morning. I've done that. <laughs> oh man, because you have yeah. to. There's a lot of prep, so yeah. we would go there at four o'clock in the morning to drop him off. He would go in and come out three minutes later, and there's this thing called um, pastelillos in in Puerto Rico, and it's like a, almost like filo dough. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it has cream cheese and all this other stuff inside it, and then with a with a mm. sugar glaze, but which I've had many many times. But get it when it's piping hot. This thing was oh, just fresh out of the oven. Dear Lord, I can still <laughs> my mouth is like going crazy just thinking about. It. I haven't had this in thirty <laughs> years. There you go. But it was it was like an experience, and um, uh, I. As you do, I'm sure, uh, one of the things, and I love to cook, one of the things is that I love cooking. I love the, the, the act of making this and making something savory and make so, for somebody else and make somebody just Thanks. go, just watch them. Like, oh, this is delicious. I, um, yeah. It's one of these, these things that I love. And um, I commend you that you just took it. I've always been impressed by that, that uh, in such a young age, you just go oh, and chase chase that dream not only that but you wrote a book uh adventurous palette how did how did that come about and how did you decide what you wanted to have in that book could you t- take me through that process yeah it, it was actually quite a long process. i'm honestly i just have to throw this out there i'm so happy that it's done <laughs> I can imagine. holy crap that is a lot harder than people think it is I bet. <laughs> no I bet. idea how frustrating that process is but anyway um the reason that i went into cooking like i said is that whole passion that that light up and you know the whole connection aspect of food and how it can affect us in more ways than just tasting nice and just Absolutely. how 
magical the concept of creating food and feeding each other and everything that surrounds that is, that's what made me want to be a chef in the first place. And at this point, I'm at a five-star level. I have cooked in incredible establishments. I mean, I've cooked for a king, a literal king. And I find that in the fanciest establishments, although the creativity and the artistic aspect of it is way up there, that personal aspect is is there because a lot of it is about just turning out the food instead of how can we really connect with the people that we're feeding and to me both of them are pretty amazing but I prefer to focus more on that connection and so in my experience when I was a kid um, I have some very distinct memories surrounding my family and food like um, for example when I was a little kid my dad used to make pancakes every Sunday morning and he raised me Uh, by himself probably about three quarters of the time and so the man can't cook to save his life he he cannot (laughs) he can make spaghettios like a champ but the the only spaghettios (laughs) yeah pretty much the only thing that he can actually like really make is pancakes and um when i was little he used to make them shaped like mickey mouse heads and like i remember being so proud the day that i could eat as many pancakes as him i was five and they were about half the size of his but i was so proud that i could beat my dad in pancake eating and stuff and so you know it's memories like that and then up and going to a new country i was like you know I realized that those memories, those fond memories that I have around food with my dad are very specific to where I'm from because American pancakes are not the same as everywhere else. And, you know, the food in different countries is extremely difficult and you don't really see that until you actually go to these places because everything that comes in from the outside is a little bit watered down. And so it got me thinking well, what it, what is the food like in these places? And um, I've worked with people from all over the place, from many, many different countries. And what kind of gave me the idea in the first place is there was one day I was with my little friends in Ireland, in Galway, and um, one of the people in my group of friends was a man from India. And I was like, oh, man, I'd really love to learn how to make, like, a proper curry, like sure. a real Indian curry, not, like, this stuff from a bottle from a little curry paste they know i want to learn how to make a proper curry it's like oh yeah that somebody from india would crave exactly not yeah i was like i want mom's recipe for curry i want the real stuff and he's like well my mom taught me how to make curry when i was young so yeah let's go make curry we're gonna have a picnic so all of my friends we decided that we were gonna um have a little picnic out on the like the a grassy patch next to a river with sun shining and stuff like that and he took me into Uh, the kitchen at the hostel he was staying at with all of these ingredients laid out on the table seriously like 50 ingredients for this curry and we made this curry together and he gave me the recipe and it was we took it out to our friends and they forgot plates so we made little tinfoil bowls and everyone's like with their hands out of these tinfoil bowls and it was overall just a really good experience and that kind of set me off I was like well his mom used to make that curry for him. My dad used to make things for me. My mom used to cook things for me. What about the rest of the world? So it kind of progressed from there. The next was Italy. Um, some Italians invited me to lunch again in Ireland to teach me how to make proper carbonara. They're like, yeah, we eat this like twice a week in Italy. Every family has it. And so it just kind of developed from there. But it started as a concept of, oh, I just want to collect authentic recipes from those countries. It didn't start out as a... a 
idea of family recipes. But then I started noticing a recurring theme. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, my, this is what I used to eat when I was a kid. This is my mom's recipe and things like that. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly there's something going on here. Sure. No matter where you go, mom's cooking always wins. So It is the best. It is. Nothing beats that because right. it, it gives you the sense of nostalgia and it gives you the sense of love and connection that only food with people that you care about can create. And that it just escalated from there. And I decided, you know what, this is something that I really want to share. Because also in college, I did a report on how the biology of how eating with people you love actually releases chemicals in your brain to help you form human connections. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to expand on that and I'm actually going to do something about it. And that's what I did. And it was a very long process, but here we are. <laughs> how many uh, how many countries or types of cuisine do you cover in your book? In the book, there's eight. Um, and each recipe or each country has four recipes. So there's 32 recipes total, eight different countries. And I am playing around with the idea of doing a part two with eight more countries so we can cover even more of the world. Um, the ones that are featured in the book at the moment are California. I know California is not a country, but America is so big. You can't just say American cuisine because that doesn't exist. So <laughs> it is a type uh, though. It is. Yeah. It's a specific kind of California cuisine, Northern California, San Francisco cuisine is what we're focusing on there. And then there's Ireland, England, Italy, France, um, Arab States. There's Persian cuisine. There's Japan. I think that's it. Was that eight? That was eight. So I have to, absolutely have to share with you some Puerto Rican food. I have, I oh, am, please. I'm telling you, um, what we do, there's, okay, I can't eat pork anywhere okay. because we make pork a certain way. And, it, <laughs> and nothing you know, compares. I know. There is just... Uh, very seldom do I eat it, uh, other than if I make it or my sisters, my sister, Alice, shout out to Alice. She's amazing. And, shout uh, out to you, Alice. Uh, You're the real PP. <laughs> well, that's a, like you were saying, it's like this whole, there's this family and there's an experience that you share when you're, when you're doing this. And, um, unluckily for me, I, the way that I was raised, I never had to do any of the cooking or anything. So when I left um, our house, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to cook. I couldn't even make eggs. And I was sitting around one day. I'm like, I really, really want some rice and beans, but I don't even know. So from that moment on, moment on, it became a ritual where I would call my mom and I'm like, mom, this is what I feel like eating today. Please explain to me how it is. <laughs> I make this. So yeah, so every every day or every couple of days, she would she would school me on okay, this is how you make sofrito, which is uh, is the base that we use. Most of our dishes start with sofrito, and it's mm. um, it's uh, garlic, onions, peppers, lots of cilantro, and culantro, which you can't find here. And that's one of the things that resonated when you were talking like in different places even italian food in the east coast is different than italian food in the west coast or exactly. italian food in italy um mm -hmm. 
And I find that fascinating how everybody can have their own take on these things. And um, it is, I've been obsessed with it. And um, it's funny because I was at a gathering where, and I was talking to this friend of ours and I'm telling him of our trip. Uh, we went to Spain, Italy, and Scotland and all the food that we had in, in all those places. And I'm telling him, and I get to Italy and the experience I had in just this little hole in the wall place. And we had risotto and, uh, no, risotto and, uh, it was like life changing. It was like I I tasted this and my it like my whole body reacted to this this thing. I, my body's going yes, this is amazing. And, I, and I, so I'm telling the guy of all these awesome things, and he's got this weird look on his face, right? And and he's like, I think you might have a eating disorder or something. And I'm like, what what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, you've been You've been talking about food for like the last 15 minutes. Welcome to my life. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you? I couldn't eat that. It didn't even, it didn't even make sense to me. And he's like, dude, I eat just to shove it down my throat because my body needs it. I have, he has no interest in food. And that was so sad to me. I'm like, you don't even know what the pleasure when it's when you get uh, just taste it and have uh notice these different oh the garlic i can taste this or or saffron whatever it's in this dish and it's uh like i said it's a whole experience and to him that's not a thing mm-hmm. and I, I, oh, it was so sad so sad and i have made it my my goal to turn everyone i meet into <laughs> Puerto Rican food because it is to me is one of the greatest uh, types of food and it has African Spanish and indig- um, indigenous uh, uh, roots so we, we eat a lot of plantains and um, a lot of rice uh, the influence from Spain and, mm. and all these things make just this just this beautiful beautiful delicious food and um, I try to uh, I think I lost you Oh, bummer. Are you there? Uh, you freezing up? There we go. Good? Yeah, you're frozen up. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah, okay. It's, it's kind of... It's, anyway, um, I, <laughs> that's why I, I've been wanting to uh, talk to you, like I said. Uh, I um, It's something that I love. Um, oh. uh, cooking and eating are just just beautiful and um i have like i like i was saying i try to get people into these things that i've experienced uh in 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 food in general and like i said puerto rican food in particular and um i would love to share that with you someday maybe next time i'm I'm over there please do that uh, absolutely die oh that would be amazing i know what you mean though about um I've met some people who just have no interest in eating at all. Like they only eat because they have to. And to me, it's like, it doesn't make sense. But I take it as a personal challenge because, you know, that passion and that eventually 
it becomes infectious and kind of chips away True. at it. And so if they see you enough times getting excited and talking about it and being like, oh, you can taking a dish and breaking apart the ingredients and what they can do for your body and how you can see the history of the country just through one dish. And like you were saying, all of the different influences from the different countries, you can piece it apart and just like eventually subconsciously people will start thinking a little bit more about what they're eating and with the thinking more about what they're eating becomes it, it naturally follows there's a little bit more excitement and a little bit more conscious effort into eating nice things and eventually it gets there so don't give up yet You're, ah, no, you'll get there well, I, I sadly i'm no longer in contact with the with this person and um but it's stuck in my head. Like you said, there mm -hmm. are people out there that, that don't see it the way I do. And um, I, again, I um, a little story about, about um, I had moved to Montana and uh, we do this uh, pig roast and mm. we bury the stuff underground. And we, it's this whole process. It's unbelievable. Oh, we yes. get this, uh, we would get an uh, uh, actual pig cut into pieces and they season it in different different types teriyaki a bunch of different stuff and yeah. um uh coals dirt meat covered uh protected that covered again and you let it there for all day we dig it up in the afternoon when you eat it so i'm i'm gonna be part of this right and i told them it's like you know if you want to i can season one of the the roast if you want to i would love to do it and then they're like okay um we get uh they're like you know when we get the pig or whatever whenever i'm like well i need it at least one day if not two days before we actually do the pig roast and they're like what do you want it's like oh because i season it days in advance or at least at least 24 hours and and let it sit there for that amount of time and i gotta tell you that uh it ended up being all the years that we've done it, we end up doing four giant roasts. Mm. Mine, at, and we get like 100, over 100 people that come to this pig roast. Mine is the only one that by the end of that afternoon, there's, it's gone. There's like no more of that <laughs> stuff. There you and go. I'll, I'll make this giant pot. Anyway, I would love to. I can't so I'm coming to your next pig roast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, next time you come over, to, you need to. I I need to cook cook for you and show you show you this stuff. Yes. But yes. I find how do you find that in living where you live, um, is there any hurdles at times in making certain foods? Because I find that uh, trying to cook Puerto Rican food, like I said, there's this culantro. I can't find it here, no, and so exactly. I have to substitute. Do you find that? A lot, at least with the stuff that you cook at home. Yes, I actually have a really hard time making like American food and especially Mexican food. I, it's <sighs> impossible to make proper Mexican food here, and I'm dying for some real Mexican oh, food. Shit. I got a little panic. <laughs> I'm dying like, for I, it. I, can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Oh, no. It really is challenging, but at the same time, that kind of balances out with you're much closer to a bunch of other places. And so if I wanted to make like proper French food, I could just buy stuff from France. And so it's not so much the country that separates it, it's the continent that separates it. But yes, right. I definitely do have 
a very hard time replicating things from America because not only are the recipes laid out different, the ingredients are different, the way that things are grown is different, the quality of the food is different. Like even something as basic as normal all-purpose flour right. is different here than it is in America. It, it's not the same grain. Right. And so you have to accommodate that when you're making things. And it it is quite a challenge. If you don't know what you're doing, especially, it can be an extreme challenge. And then not to mention the language difference on top because they have different names for a lot of food. Like you're talking about cilantro. Here it's called coriander. Not oh, a clue why. Right. And it tastes different. I, I, that's yeah. I, I have two things that I have found concerning, well, a three with that culantro thing. I can't find it. But avocados, by the way, <laughs> avocados in the States... I am so different. A, well, I'm a huge snob. I freaking tell people you you've never had an avocado. You gotta in Puerto <laughs> Rico. Do you ever see like here they have those little Haas avocados that look like a dried up well, something <laughs> horrible. It's like this black thing. I yeah. I actually went to the store once and it was looking for avocados for like half an hour. I'm like I don't and know where the avocados <laughs> are. And they're like they're right there. I'm like is it right next to that black thing there? Because I don't see it. It's like. No, that's the avocado. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Avocados are this big and they're green. And anyway, so that's what I grew up in uh, with. Yeah. And they are and they taste completely different. Same with cilantro. Uh, cilantro is very weak here in Puerto Rico. That stuff is so mm. strong and, and pungent. Pungent sounds bad because it makes it sound like it's bad. But it's not. It's just oh, very it's strong. It's got that. Right. Got essence that you need in something that's supposed to flavor a dish and if you're that picky about avocados don't eat avocados in english (laughs) see me coming from california i'm already picky about english avocados but you coming from puerto rico Uh game over don't even try it i know i was there two uh two years ago and it just so happens that somebody (laughs) had um collected avocados and maybe i'll post a picture of it um i have a picture of this giant mound of 120 avocados and i'm kid you i kid you not there they are maybe the size of a grapefruit it's just gigantic and but that the size is not even you find them smaller is the taste it's actually like buttery and yeah oh man it is so so good and sorry i keep babbling about this but i'm I'm going to puerto rico next is what you're telling me absolutely i will take you there i seriously it is my seriously i like daydream about this about taking people and and just showing them this is my two loves like i mentioned before baking um when i was a kid uh, we used to get bread delivered to our house and they don't do that anymore i don't know how that happened but anyway we would get this guy had sacks of fresh baked bread that he would deliver to the houses. And when I used to go to school, for a quarter, you can get a pound of bread, which is two two loaves, right? So my mom would give me a quarter. I would stop the guy on his way to our house. And as I'm standing in front of the, the school, stop him, get a pound of bread, fresh, still hot, go steal two avocados from somebody's yard. This is before I even go to... This is 7 o'clock in the morning I'm doing this. And... We would go stand around. I cut this thing open and you shove it chock full of avocado and have wow. just fresh bread and Puerto Rican avocado. It is 
something that is just unbelievably oh, okay. awesome. And uh, it's avocado toast to shame. Oh, mm. you have no idea. And Brett, don't get me going on Puerto Rican bread. See, I'm taking you to Puerto Rico. That's all I'm saying. Okay, we're going. We're going to Puerto Rico. That's happening. Blast. It's going to oh, be great. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's like I said, if you've noticed it, there's a passion to it. It is not just eating like we said before it, it is all of it it's like with family just sitting down and conversation and all of it it's just a beautiful beautiful art form and uh, you get that's that what that. I describe oh. it is just truly magic it doesn't um i'm actually now that i've released this book i'm in the beginning stages of another one that's an actual book it's not a cookbook but it is about how food is more than just eating and like a lot of people look at food as just oh I need this because I'm hungry or oh I want to taste something nice I want to it's going to taste good but no not very many people think about all of the other ways that it affects us and so it's the connection with family it actually changes you biologically and psychologically it actually makes physical changes in your body it actually is responsible for the formation of civilization to begin with and Absolutely. the formation of cultures and rituals things that we don't even think about anymore a lot of it is centered around food and it is such an integral part of our lives in so many different aspects that and it's overlooked you won't see. It's just and once you tune into that and realize oh what i'm eating and the way that i use my food the way that i cook it the way that i eat it who i share it with where i get my food all of this stuff has some serious implications on not only your life but the life of the people around you and so once you have an understanding of the importance of that you can do amazing things and create incredible like almost transcendental experiences around food and it's like nothing else it's it's honestly incredible i i know i love it i uh i was amazed uh i uh that same trip that i was telling you about when we went to europe i had this, um, how do you say it? this perception of what food is in different places, right? So, uh, like, how do you say it? generalization? What everybody says, uh, the uh, food in England sucks. Supposedly, I'm not. This is just in the ether, right? This is what I say. Yeah. Uh, food in Italy is awesome, and Spain was like a huge uh, question mark for me, and I've yeah. heard many things. What is it? Uh, well, they have they have paella and all that stuff. Yeah. Also, uh, when I take you to Puerto Rico, I'm gonna, uh, that paella is unbelievable. <laughs> okay. But um, and I had this experience with um, I was not impressed. Basically, I'm sure it had to do with I just went. Um, there was nobody there to show us. Like when we when I met you in, in Ireland, we'd like, oh hey, take me somewhere you know and th- yeah. i didn't have that and i it wasn't a very good experience plus people were horribly racist to me and then so it was i was left a, a bad taste in my mouth and i went to italy and obviously it was amazing but then what what struck me was scotland i don't know if you had or if you can't and then please for the love of christ please tell me you do um <laughs> i had mince and tatties i don't know if you ever heard of this or if you ever had it I haven't tasted it, but I've heard of it and I've seen it. I haven't actually been to Scotland yet, which is crazy because I live what? like two hours away from it. I don't know. Uh, I know what's but I, I am familiar with the local cuisine a little bit. That was amazing. Amazing. Mm. I always wanted to learn how to make it. And um, I found, so, so you don't even, 
like just to, like I said, it's out in the ether. People have these uh, perceptions of what food is in different places, but when you're there, it's it's a, it's a completely different thing. Like you said, it's an experience, and the people and and conversation, it just uh, you know it just changes everything. And did you find was that hard for you when you went uh, to Ireland and or the UK? Did you find uh, any bad experiences or good experiences that changed your mind about their cuisine? Um, I did, actually. The first time that I went was just for, like, a vacation with my mom for, I think we went for, like, nine or ten days. And we went to, like, the touristy part of Dublin, and we had, like, a, an Irish sampler cuisine, and we tasted some of, like, the basic things, and that was absolutely incredible. And then I went out when I finally lived there, I was traveling around and I was trying to figure out what to eat and I had no idea where I was going. I didn't know anybody. I couldn't understand what they were talking about half the time. And so I was basically just shooting blind and right. I found that the safest bet was a pub. Mm. And to me, um, what kind of turned me on to like the whole experience of eating Irish cuisine was like the pub atmosphere because not to be cliche or anything, it's Ireland, come on. Yeah. But, um, but that's, another, that's another experience that uh, drinking and eating, that, that's yes. like a, another type of experience oh. that's all oh, about, yeah. it's, so, it's so good. I mean, pubs in Ireland are pretty much about community. I mean, there's no discrimination. Anybody goes into a pub, everybody has a good time. Everyone's drinking and eating and singing and dancing in the same way is with the food. If you go into a pub, you know that they're going to be nice to you and then you know that they're not it's not going to be a five-star meal, but it's going to be good hearty food. It's going to fill you up and you're going to see people that you can talk to and it's going to to me that was the most true to what encompassed Ireland and Irish cuisine was pub food, which is very interesting because most people when they travel to new countries they're like I want to go to the fanciest restaurant. I want to see the best of their cuisine. But for me the best of their cuisine was a pub. And just kind of that realization of this is what is special about this country, it was, it was really cool to me. And on the flip side, you were talking about your experience in Italy earlier. I went to Rome about a year ago now, and it was complete opposite for me. Well, similar and different. I was on my own in Rome one evening. Uh, my friend was off somewhere else, and I went to this little restaurant, and they turns out they had my favorite kind of pasta, amatriciana. It was mm. And so I, <laughs> I was there wearing my little sundress, right, by myself. I sat down in a table. The waiter was really nice, a little bit gorgeous. It was fine. And um, he sat me down in this table by the, the window. It was like ceiling to floor windows. They were open. So it was, it was basically like an opening to the outside to the street. And it was one of the bigger streets. And this man came by with some beautiful watercolor paintings of the Colosseum speaking Italian. And so I bought a little painting from him. I had a glass of Prosecco. And they brought out this Amatriciana. And the way that I know how to make it is there's, there's a few steps to it. The recipe is actually in my book. Ooh. Shameless plug. Boom. There you go. Tell us, uh, before you keep going, tell us the, the name and where they can find it real quick. Um, the Adventurous Palette, the book. It's called The Adventurous Palette, Family Recipes from Around the World. It is available on Amazon currently yes. as a hardcover, and it will be available in ebook format at the beginning of August. Awesome. Um, 
and it's available in 60 different countries and all of the recipes are weighed out in multiple different kinds of measurements to cater to different countries. And so you'll find American layouts of recipes and European, you'll find grams and you'll find ounces and it, it fits for everybody. So you can buy it through the publisher, which is tradition.co.uk or Amazon, both in the US and the UK and Germany and Africa and all these other countries. We'll put a link on, um, on the yeah. website. And our, so they'll, you'll get to, to buy and please support um, Kayla in this. But anyway, you were saying. Um, anyway, and so he comes out with his food. And I had this idea in my head of what Amatriciana was. And it is absolutely gorgeous oh it's beautiful and he brings out this plate and it looks like pasta and tomato sauce it looks like spaghetti and i'm like what is this and he puts a bit of parmesan this guy with like his arm behind his back and he's looking at me with his little italian eyes like hmm you don't know what's coming trust me and he's just looking at me with this knowing look like just wait till you taste it so i'm sitting there and i i, I take a fork and oh my goodness it was the most delicious thing I had yeah. ever tasted in my life. And it was so, so simple. I don't know what they did to it. It was it seriously looked like a tomato sauce with some pancetta and maybe a bit of pepper and some cheese. But they did something to that. I don't know. There was magic in that pasta because holy crap, that is an evening that I will not forget. And it was the whole experience. It wasn't just the incredible food. The simplicity of it, the... <laughs> the gorgeous Italian waiter, the glass of Prosecco next to the open doors on a warm Italian summer's night, the guy with the watercolor paintings selling me a painting off of the street. Like the whole experience was just so unique. And I mean, if I had just had that meal in my house, it would have been amazing. But it's it's more than that. It's Right. It's hard it, no, I I completely yeah. understand. It's not just oh, I had the number three. It's yeah. it's this whole package. Um, I have a, a a similar story. Went to Venice, and we walked down a street. We got lost. We ended up in this restaurant, and um, we had this meal. We we found this wine that's probably the best wine we'd had up to that point. And the best meal we had, we're lost in the middle of nowhere. It's just <laughs> me, me and my bride and just this, it was, and there was nobody else in the, in the restaurant. It was just us. And it was like a gift. It was a, a, is this little moment in time that was just beautiful. And you can't put a price on that. You can't, you can't replicate it or, or manufacture it. It's something that happens. And if you're not, willing to go and get lost and find that place and order something you may not have ordered before you'll never experience it and that's there's something to that exactly and it's kind of like putting yourself in a different world in a different version of reality for a moment like okay if you're going to another country or even another state or another city just try to let go of everything that you know about how things work and what food you like and things like that and kind of give it a chance to impress you. And yeah. it's even as far as local cuisine goes. My sister lives in Utah and um, where she lives there, I don't know if it's still there, but there was this little sandwich shop that was attached to a coffee shop. It was family owned. It was this tiny little place. It wasn't some big flashy thing. 
And the people that ran it were uh, this older couple, and they had kept the handwritten tickets from every single person that had come in because a lot of the times people ordered the same thing. So he would just dig through the pile, and he would you would walk in, he would know your name, he would know your order, he would dig through the pile to see what you liked and what you didn't, and he would greet you and have a nice conversation. And it and they made the most incredible deli sandwiches you've ever had in your life, and I have never experienced a sandwich like that before or a man that cares so much about his sandwich shop like it's those little gems that you find it's it's an incredible thing (laughs) yeah that's like i said it's all about that experience Uh, there's a place here in seattle um i believe it's called pasta fresca and you go in there there's no menu you just walk in sit down the owner sits down with you and starts just shooting the shit and start talking to you. Oh, wow. And it's like, what, it's not even what do you like? It's like, what don't you like? What is it that you don't want? It's like, oh, I don't like fish. He's like, got it. Or I can't eat uh, mushrooms or whatever. And it's <laughs> like, he'll order the wine for you every, and it's like, I believe it's like five or seven course meal. Wow. And each each, I might be five because that's a lot of wine because the, they give you a bottle of wine with each course is a different <laughs> type of wine. Yeah, that so, would be a lot of wine. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And, but it is, uh, like I said, my bride and I found it and it was just, again, an experience. It wasn't just I'll have the number three. It's all this uh, whole experience about it, getting to talk to the owner. Not only that, like you, like you said, somebody that loves what they're doing um i find the same with like music i was talking to somebody last night about bands that i love and one of the my favorite bands that i i love to see i've seen them uh, great big c i've seen them live many times and one of the things i like about them is that they love what they do and when they're up there the fact that we're there is immaterial it doesn't matter because they're there they play music and they're they love what That's they're it. doing exactly. and that bleeds onto you it's and infectious. it makes the ex- ah, it makes the experience so much richer for that and you you need that <clears throat> and people that don't care I, again i feel sad that, that, that they <laughs> they're missing out on this this beautiful thing that is food and mm-hmm. and the experience around it and um it's so cool that <clears throat> again i you're doing something that i I can see myself doing it something and uh, I again I'm a, have a passion for for cooking and food and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and uh, I love hearing that I love hearing uh, those stories especially uh, Rome uh, such a fantastical yeah. magical place and well if uh, you ever get the the feeling that you need some more food related or chef related stories I've got lots of them so uh, <laughs> just be like hey Kayla story time right. <laughs> uh, well that's what we're here for <laughs> That what is, let's say, what is your, what is your go-to meal? Like, let's say I'm coming over your house. Mm. I'm coming over your house tonight and you're going to make something that you love and, but that you you also would like to share with me. What would that be? See, that's a tough one. I tend to, I have a tendency to kind of cater to my audience Mm. a little bit. Like I'll make something that I love that I know that they will hopefully like as well. Mm -hmm. 
So, ooh, for I'm you. I'm, I stopped you. I'm sorry. No. Okay. Let me think. For you, I would probably stick with the an Italian or a Spanish kind of influence because um, that whole obviously you have the Latin background. I actually have an an authentic recipe, a family recipe given me from a man in Spain for like real his mom's paella that is absolutely incredible so i'd make that as a starter i would probably make a good roast as a main like a proper seasoned slice of roast steak with some mm. all right i'll i'll i'll, I'll be there uh, by five. <laughs> <laughs> um i'll bring the wine uh, sounds good <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely uh, it's so funny, I, have, I actually introduced my in-laws to Thanksgiving um, when they found out that their son was marrying an American. Um, I, I messaged all of them my first year here. I actually moved here only a couple months before Thanksgiving. So their first Thanksgiving was like also oh, wow. their first time meeting me and seeing my house. Wow. And um, so I made the whole feast for them. And now every single year they're messaging me like two months That's in advance. We're having Thanksgiving, right? That's yours. Yeah, you brought it. My goodness, we get to eat this. That's weird. Uh, that's funny. I I have never had a Thanksgiving dinner until I came to the states. I'm 16 years old. I've I haven't had. I never had turkey until I was like like I said, 16. You've never had years, turkey. Until, yeah, until I was like 17, and still to this day is not uh, anything that I'm crazy about. I eat it and I enjoy it um, for Thanksgiving. What we do. Uh, for not Thanksgiving in particular, but our holiday meal, like here yeah. for holidays, they usually have that in Puerto Rico is pork roast. You have pork roast with your uh, yellow rice and some mm. beans. And um, that's what, that's usually a holiday meal. But uh, it, um, my thing and that I am, uh, I am the, my proudest moment. Um, we went to Montana and, a friend of mine is telling me, I have grouse. Have you ever had grouse? It's like, it's a wild, it's like a wild chicken, right? And, um, and he's like, oh, I have all this um, grouse in the freezer. Um, why don't we do something with it? And I'm like, oh, I got you. Just bring it over. I, I know what to do with it. And what, what I did is uh, there's a, a fricassee uh, and I have a recipe for it. And it's made with beer. So you take the sofrito that I mentioned before. That's the base. You do a, a tiny bit of um, tomato sauce and all these other Puerto Rican seasonings. And you first cook the meat a little bit in that sauce and kind of get it, get it going first. And then you put uh, beer and uh, bay leaf. And then you let that simmer. And this is wild meat, so it's not... Yeah. It, it sometimes is is tough. What I made wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. It was fucking amazing. I made this giant pot of this. We bought... We we, we made, I believe, five grouse um, in this. Because they're, they're tiny. And my friend, he's smaller than I am. He's maybe 5'8". And um, on his third plate... <clears throat> He's, he's, he's going, dear God, they call me Rico over there. Um, Rico, holy shit, man. My stomach hurts so bad because I am so full. But as he's scraping 
the bottom of the bottom. Yep. So I'll have to make that for you next time. But, yes. Uh, uh, so we have our list now. You're taking me to Puerto Rico. You're uh, coming over for my uh, paella and roast. We're Italian. we're going to that Italian restaurant. You're making me this chicken. Uh, You're making a pork roast now. It's gonna, it's gonna be good times. It's gonna be good times. And uh, I again, I, uh, I just I I love I love cooking. I love like I said, I love pleasing. Just the fact of that day. I, I don't remember much of that day, but how happy I was that I was able to make them happy. They've never had this in their life and their, their experience. And I'm sure they feel similarly that it, that was a special moment and all because of, of food and, and this occasion that, that we built together and this experience and we, he went hunting for the for the for the grouse and i put this thing together and we had his daughters are there and it's like i said it's such an important thing mm, and uh, and we got i again i love that you do that for a living and you've <laughs> done uh again i it, it boggles my mind because it's uh, like i've thought of it in theory oh, that sounds cool i don't yeah. even know that i have the guts to just leave everything. It's hard. It's really hard. And not even just leaving everything, but being a chef to begin with right. is not, it's, you. it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, uh, Hell's Kitchen isn't completely wrong. Let's just right. say. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, like I said, it's, it's you. It's, uh, it's like when you're watching a fighter, there's no, the, whatever he does, he wins or loses or does bad or good and it's all on him and that's how you are you've made this it's either good or it is and the person's gonna answer. he's not going to it's responsibility for it however it goes so. exactly but the reward for when yeah. you nail it out uh, it's it's great it's uh, okay. and just the ability to say you know i've worked hard and i've done this and i've accomplished what i've accomplished and it's all for this purpose okay. to me like i've i've especially been feeling it the past couple days because i've been getting a bit of feedback a bit of response and mm. it's just kind of i've had to take a step back and look at the field that i've chosen and what i've chosen to do with it and just be like damn that's good stuff <laughs> Right. Yeah. And and you touched on something uh, when you were talking about uh, Rome and I heard um, it always struck with me and you mentioned it as well. Um, I, I watched Bourdain, uh, Anthony Bourdain talk about it was Rome also. And somebody asked me, like, what what do you like when you go to Rome? And it was some simple dish and it's just noodles with exactly. salt and pepper and and. Uh, lots of pepper and fresh parmesan and it's exactly very simple but delicious and you don't have to go all fancy or whatever it's, there's sometimes when just bread and avocado yes showcasing really, yeah so just like real raw food it's mm. yeah there's something there's nothing it. like it oh wow you're making me hungry well thank you for coming on the show and um, uh, 
again, if you can tell our fans where they can find you, though your Instagram and all that yeah. stuff, if you can let us know where we can find. Well, you. my last name is a little confusing. It's Kayla Utana. Uh, it'll be in all the links and stuff. But I have an Instagram under that name. I have a Facebook page under that name uh, where you can go and see all of my business, all of my updates, and then my book is available. Oh, and I have a website, kaylautana.co.uk, and my book is available on. Amazon, that's probably the easiest place to find it. And everything is under the same name. And I would really absolutely love it if people come and see what I have to share with them. It's basically a whole lot of this. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I'm looking forward already to your next one. And yeah. um, we will definitely sponsor that. And I will definitely put uh, links and, uh, on, a face on our Facebook posts and whatnot uh, to, you know, hopefully we can reach people and can taste you know your creations and um which is again it's a, a great uh service to me anyway i consider it um so because like we said that is such a important part of, yeah. of uh, being a human and um again thank you for coming on and um good luck with it with your book and uh, <laughs> hopefully it won't be so stressful with your next book and i'm looking forward to that thanks Hopefully awesome. it'll be nice. Awesome. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Have a All good right. one. All right, you too. Got your